0: Hi again, it's Chris Kosech, creator and narrator of Evermore Poe. Please be sure to stay tuned after this episode for another edition of The Facts in the Case of Mr. Poe. Some fun stuff heading your way. In the meantime, here is our latest chapter. This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 12 Juliet waited in the kitchen long after everyone else had gone to bed, ready to share what she knew of conjure and folk magic. Eddie's obsession was growing dangerous, she knew. And still, she couldn't blame him. She had been intrigued by the craft herself, and if she didn't help him, Juliet knew Eddie would go looking for evidence on his own, and that was a bad idea. This way, at least, she could warn him of its dangers. She had seen magic work firsthand, but because her mother had been a God-fearing Christian woman, Juliet was sheltered from most of the magic. Born in Richmond, she only ever visited the plantation with her mother, Judith, whose job it was to cook for the foreman in the fields. Back then, she enjoyed loving long days of innocent fun with her childhood friend Eddie, playing on haystacks and listening to stories at the cabin. They caught frogs in the milling pond and threw rocks at targets. Because he was a ward of the Allens and not their legitimate son, Eddie had the rare advantage of being able to crisscross social boundaries. He could dance a jig at an uptown social one day and play hide and seek at the slave cabins the next. He never saw the advantage of his position, but Juliet did. Together the friends always had fun. But the day the Allens left for England, everything changed. Her playmate Eddie was gone, and Juliet's hell began. Alone on the plantation, the Ellis children would not play with Juliet. The children of the plantation thought she was uppity. When Eddie moved to England, Juliet cried for weeks. With her only friend gone, she spent her time beside her mother, Judith. Together the mother-daughter team was unstoppable. Judith was able to accomplish her chores well before dinner, leaving time for mother and daughter to laugh and talk. Their relationship flourished. They were especially close the following year, when Judith died in a tragic wagon accident. After that, young Juliet was bounced around by the Ellis family, who weren't sure what to make of her. First, she was made to wash dishes at a child-sized workstation. Just after her 13th birthday, the budding young woman was given to the Ellis's recently married daughter. But when the bride caught her new husband staring at the pretty house girl, she sent Juliet back. After that, Juliet went to work for Mr. Allen's wealthy uncle, William Galt, as some form of business collateral she didn't understand. The elderly Scotsman had never forgotten his hard scrapple life in Glasgow and never thought to ask for much. He enjoyed sitting on the porch all day, he never yelled, and there was hardly a complaint. If dinner was burnt, he crunched on the charred remains. When dust gathered on the shelves, he blew it away. He gave Juliet money for groceries and never asked for the change. Mr. Galt seemed to value young people in the house more than keeping a nice home. As for Mr. Galt's valet, Dabney Dandridge, he became something of an older brother to Juliet. Indeed, the Galt mansion was about as happy a home as Juliet had ever known. It was also incredibly boring. So when Juliette learned that Ellison Allen's tobacco plantation needed a cook, she jumped at the opportunity to honor her mother's legacy of cooking in the open countryside rather than in the smoky in-town kitchen. She had no idea of the horrible danger that lie ahead. Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact checking from respected sources, including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most Thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Evermore Poe. All right, I haven't done a postmortem in a few episodes, so I want to catch you up. A few chapters back, we heard Eddie and Juliet talking, and during that time, Eddie mentioned that his mother's friends were the Ushers, as in Fall of the House of Usher. That portion of my story is absolutely true. The Ushers were a family that happened to be in the same theatrical company as Eliza and David Poe before they passed away, and after they died... It was the ushers who helped steer the kids in the right direction. The eldest son, Henry, went to live with their grandparents up in Baltimore. The Poe family was very big in Baltimore. The baby was Rosalie, and she was adopted by a Richmond family called the Mackenzies. And of course, the middle child, Eddie, went on to live with the Allen family, which is how he got that middle name, Edgar Allen Poe. Fun fact, right? But I wanted to also talk a little bit about Today's episode, while doing my deep research on Poe, I discovered that the slaves we have mentioned that lived in the Allen household Well, apparently some of them were pretty friendly with Eddie, and so Juliet is a composite as well as another servant who you'll meet more of later, and that's Dabney Dandridge. In fact, Dabney, I would posit, is probably one of the most important figures in Eddie's life, but we'll get to that later. The other thing I wanted to mention before I close for today is that we all know that Eddie was very much into dark material. He was known to have loved a lot of the Gothic literature coming out of England, but When you start to dig into African American folklore, you begin to see that there really are some parallels between the things that Eddie wrote about and the Afro-Caribbean rituals, cultures, and magic that was practiced in that day and age. I'll explain more in a future episode, but strap yourself in because from here on out, it's gonna start to get pretty dark. You've been warned. See you next time.